Welcome to the Joseph Barlow Ministries podcast. Here, you'll learn from a real-life dad about raising a family, developing a healthy marriage, and teaching your children to find their purpose. Here he is, Joe Barlow. Well, I have been praying. Um, Boy, I just, I've been enjoying my time with the Lord. (laughs) Um, He's just faithful. And he is, I'll tell you, you really do need to just sit with him. Really, really just get your, your heart to settle down and be at peace. What, that's one thing that's nice about coming and listening to some teaching and some ministry is that you actually, because it's not socially acceptable to be noisy in the middle of somebody else teaching, it forces you to settle down. And just get your heart at peace, which is really a great, great thing. Um, and I have shared before that if you have a hard time with your thoughts, it's probably a good idea to let somebody else do your thinking for you by turning on some teaching or preaching that would encourage you and um, uh, kind of zero your thoughts in. And that's why there is an, an, there is an anointing on the teaching and the preaching of the word. So we should capitalize on that, take advantage of that. I remember when Nancy and I first started going to Bill Winston's church, we would go to all the services, and then we would get up every morning at 6 a.m. to listen to him teaching on on TV uh, because we knew that what he had in his mouth was the key to our future. And, And in many cases, that's the truth. Uh, what, you know, the key to your future can be tied up in who God sent you to listen to. And uh, so I believe, I'm believing God for victory in every single one of your lives. I really am. I'm believing for, you know, family restorations, jobs, uh, prosperity, blessing, health, healing. Uh, But really, even more importantly than all of that, is purpose, real real purpose. It, I went back and listened to the thing that I taught on Sunday morning about uh, God giving man a job. Maybe that was two weeks ago, uh, where I had Danny and uh, Dan, Danny and Kenny up here in front, floating around, being totally weird. Uh, that you know how like how an LCD works and. Um, the charge that is put on somebody's life when you step into purpose, you know, that you you realize, wow, what I'm doing is extremely important. Well, I could tell each of you right now, you know, what you're doing is extremely important. You know, Mike, what you do with the sound system here, it's extremely important. And it, um, because it, not only takes a load off me and then other people on the staff, but it, um, but you also bring it up to a level of excellence that it's like, actually, none of us could do that, which is awesome, you know? Cindy, the way you run the office, you know, is awesome. I, I, I mean, I just love it. Uh, you certainly wouldn't want me sitting in that chair. <laughs> I mean... Uh, we've tried that and things fell apart rather quickly. Uh, I don't have what it takes. 
So not only does it take the burden off of others, but you raise it up to a level of excellence that is a really awesome. I, I, I really, really love it. So that's um, each of us finding our purpose. And that's, uh, that's a beautiful thing. You know, each one of you serving, you know, I, I, I loved those, uh, those little ice cream centerpieces. I didn't eat those, no. <laughs> but it was beautiful. I mean, what a, what a gift. You definitely wouldn't want me to do that type of work. I don't have the gift. So like Pastor Winston says, he said, you got ushers who can't ush. <laughs> no, we got, uh, we got people doing things here that are really gifted. And I love that. I really do. I love that. Um, so people do find when they serve in the kingdom, they find things, but this is not just about serving in the kingdom. It's, you know, it's not all just, this is not the end of things. Us going into the world and transforming the world with our giftings. That's, that's what God wants, I believe. Uh, and because if all the earth is going to be filled with his glory, where is that glory going to come from? You and me. It's when people see the glory of God shine on our faces, when people see us doing things at a level that's different than the, what the world can provide. I remember when I went to Uganda and I went, it was uh, <clears throat> with my friend Wilson Bugembe, and um, we went to this, he said, oh, I'm up for some award. We have to go over to this hotel. I walk in there and it was like the Grammys of Uganda. It was called the Olive Awards. And he, here we walk in and they're all in long gowns and tuxedos and Wilson's just in his jeans and his you know, rolled up shirt and they usher us up to the front and he was up for you know, artist of the year. He won that like 11 years in a row or more. So much, he doesn't even accept the, the award anymore because he just kept winning every year. But when he was there, I just saw that his level because of the anointing of God was higher than what everybody else was doing. I mean, you feel bad for the other people, but it was just, he just was there. That's the kind of people that I feel like I'm called to. I believe, that's why I believe you're here. Because <laughs> I believe you do things that are at a different level than what the world is. And then when we go out and the world sees that, the world sees glory, the glory of God. The glory of God shines on your face and it also shines in the way that you do whatever your gift is, okay? That, that, that's how the world is gonna be, that's one of the ways I believe how the world is gonna be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Okay, well, you know in the Old Testament, um, and it says in Genesis chapter two, verse 18, it says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him or a helper suitable to him or a help meet. Okay, now that's not M-E-A-T, that's M-E-T-E. And it means measured to is one way of saying it. Or ideally suited for, perfectly or ideally designed for. 
And so um, it's obvious that woman is perfectly designed, you know? It's just the way God made it. It's awesome. And, uh, but, but she's also perfectly designed where he said here to help him, you know? And, you know, some, a lot of women might take issue with that, you know? But listen, um, we're all designed for something. And, uh, and I don't believe that's the only calling on a woman's life, of course, right? There's a lot of uh, amazing things in there. Women are gifted in so many ways. But the key here, the Lord God said, it is not good that a man should be alone. God said it's not good for a man to be alone. Well, if God says it's not good, then it's going to become an agenda of the devil. Right? If God said it's not good for a man to be alone, then the devil overheard that. And so, well, that's going to be my agenda then. I'm going to make man alone. You understand? So, um, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it says, There is one alone, 4 verse 8, There is one alone without companion. He has neither son nor brother. Yet there is one, yet there is no end to all of his labors. I'll read it again. There is one alone without companion. He has neither son nor brother. Yet there is no end to all his labors. Nor is his eye satisfied with riches, but he, but he never asks, for whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and a grave misfortune. Two are better than one, because they have a better return for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So I want to take you to another passage in, in the book of Psalms, and it's chapter 133. Psalms 133. And this, I, I love, I delight in this psalm. It says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It says, It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commands the blessing, even life forevermore. So where there is unity, God commands his blessing. Now, does anybody remember the title of what we're talking about tonight? It's, it's uh, are we fighting? Let's see, here it is. I posted it on Facebook. Fighting with each other, or fighting for each other? Which one are we doing? Are we fighting with each other or fighting for each other? Well, if you are in unity, you will fight for each other. When um, 
<clears throat> there was a boy down the street from us when I was a little boy. There was a boy down the street. His name was Kurt. I won't tell you his last name just in case this gets out. <laughs> but Kurt beat up my brother Vincent. Vincent came home and the whole family ran down there. And my sister Annie beat up this boy Kurt. Now Annie was Vincent's younger sister. And Annie was not Annie is not the kind of girl that f fights like this. Annie is like you know, I mean she she'll pop you straight, you know? I mean not, knock you clean out. Uh, she's a tough, tough cookie. She, I mean, at least, you know, back then, of course, she's a kind woman, you know, now. Uh, kind and gentle, but she's still tough. Um, so fighting for each other, there's a protection. There's unity in the body. Uh, there's unity in the family. As they, hey, why are you, you know, you can't touch my family. Um, one day I was, I got in a fist fight. And uh, I was in this triangular park right along the main street. <clears throat> and Annie saw me, she was on the, riding on the city bus. And she looked out the window and saw me fighting with this kid. And she's yelling, get him, Joseph, get him, Joseph. <laughs> when she got home, she got in trouble for not getting off the bus and helping me. Okay. So she got in trouble with my dad for not getting, not coming to my aid and, and help, although I won the fight. It was the only fight I ever had, uh, but I won. And uh, actually, I, I should say we both lost because we were good friends before that. <laughs> yeah, so that was a bummer. Um, but unity, it says, where the Lord, in, in Psalms 133, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head. And when it's talking about oil, we're talking about anointing. Okay? Running down on the beard. The beard of Aaron, the high priest. Running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon. Descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commands the blessing, even life forevermore. So, man, I want to be in the place where God commands his blessing. I feel like right now, this church, God has commanded his blessing on it. On Joseph Barlow Ministries, I believe the Lord has commanded his blessing. With the church, there's unity in the body. I've been in churches where there was no unity. It's no fun. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, wouldn't you rather leave? I mean, you're already disjointed. Why not just stay away from each other? That's exactly the plan. Remember I told you that if the Lord said it's not good for man to be alone, then that becomes an agenda item for the devil to make sure that you are alone. Because if you are alone, like it says in Ecclesiastes that I just read to you, you're in a very weakened position. You're greatly weakened by your being alone. Now, I'm not saying that that's, you're cursed. I'm not saying that God's not with you, no. I mean, some people, you know, if you're widowed or something like that, hey, God is right there with you. So you're not alone, right? 
So, and, and that's very real. We have to have that and realize that's real. That's very real. Okay. But when we're talking about humans who are still present on this earth, it's the devil's plan to divide them. And it says that in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. It says, this is talking about the guy that they gave some church discipline to. It says, this punishment, which was inflicted by the majority, is sufficient for such a man. So that on the contrary, you ought to rather forgive him and comfort him now, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Okay, this guy received discipline from the church. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. For to this end, I also wrote that I might put you to the test whether or not you would be obedient in all things. Now, whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Lest Satan should take advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant of Satan's devices. He's trying to separate. He's trying to divide. He's trying to divide and conquer. You know, it says, um, uh, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Let's look that up real quick. Mark 3.25 says, um, well, let's go back to verse 22. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said um, about Jesus, it said, he has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of demons he casts out demons. So he called them to himself and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand but has an end. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. Now, A house divided against itself cannot stand. Satan has made that his agenda for your house. That it be divided. Just so you know. Uh, You know, but I'll tell you this. I mean, that should be like no big news. Satan also has an agenda for your house, which includes killing you. That should not be news. Satan has an agenda for your house, which um, includes divorce. Satan has an agenda for your house that includes uh, sickness and disease and poverty and lack. That's Satan's agenda for your house. So (laughs) we don't live by his agenda, but it is his agenda. And we have to understand that it is his agenda. If it is his agenda, we have ways to resist him. Well, how do we resist him? Well, we had an interesting situation. We were talking to some friends who were evangelical, not spirit-filled, you know. And um, 
And we were talking about a particular family situation. And Nancy and I saw this particular situation as, you know, like purely spirit-driven and, and demonic, you know, the things that were happening. And this couple who was not spirit-filled, they saw it all as, oh, no, you just do this in the natural, you do this in the natural, you do this in the natural, and it, and it takes care of that whole issue. There's no problem there. And yet Nancy and I were trying to cast the spirits out, and they were just doing things to bring wisdom into the situation. I thought, well, that's a very interesting approach. It was really enlightening to me because they were just shoring up and blocking the door for the devil to get in by using natural means, which worked. It worked. Now, <clears throat> you see this brick wall here. Well, let's use this one here. Okay, see this brick wall here between these two windows. How many of you think that if I, I mean, just ran with all my might, that I could break through that brick wall? You think I could break through it? With, if I ran with all my might? Well, whether I could or not, why would I want to? There's a door right there. Right? Why would I want to run through that wall? I could just walk through the door. The devil's the same way. Why would he try to break through a brick wall when he can walk through an open door that you've got in your life? So what's the open door? What, there are things, like for Nancy and I, you know, we just, um, well, coming from a Catholic background, you know, is one good thing about that is, you know, the D word is not even available in our house. You know, there's no such thing as divorce, right? You never even, you know, you, you keep the covenant far away from, yeah, you might have conversations or arguments or whatever happening, but you never, you never go near the covenant. You never say, well, I'm going to leave or I'm going to this or that. That, that. That's never, ever even near our, our conversation. Um, well, we're very, very fortified in that area. Well, the Bible says, take heed that you think you stand lest you fall. Okay, well, we think we stand in that area as far as our, the strength of our marriage. But guess what? We still need Jesus and we still need the Holy Spirit to help us. Even though we think we are rock solid and immovable, we still need Jesus to save us, to help us, right? Good. Well, just so you understand how it works, you can fortify. You can fortify your life in many ways. For example, finances. If you were to save, uh, let's say you give 10%, which we do, give 10%, and then let's say you save 10%, and you never rose above spending 80% of your income, of your gross, okay? Because you're always tithing and you're always putting money away for savings. Well, if that was always the way you just always did it, then when a need comes along, there's no temptation in your heart to steal. There's no temptation in your heart to think that God's not providing. When a need comes up, you go to the bank, you go to their savings account, just pull the money out, it's all there. 
because you have shored up that area. You've bolstered it. You've strengthened it. So we know that the agenda of the devil can be stopped by our wise planning. You know, I was in Uganda, and um, you don't want to get bit by a mosquito in Uganda. Let's just put it that way. So when you're laying in bed at night, your bed is covered with a mosquito net. Everybody's bed is covered with a mosquito net. You don't want a mosquito to get in there. Well, one night I had my cell phone on underneath that mosquito net and somehow some buzzing little mosquito got in there, right? <laughs> well, everything's dark, you know, everything's totally dark and you got your cell phone on, it's coming after the light. Well, stop using your cell phone under the mosquito net, right? <laughs> But you've shored up. The mosquito net is there to protect you against the devil trying to kill you with malaria. The Bible says when you build a house and you have room up on top of the house or you have, you know, a place where people can walk around, it says make sure you build a, a wall around the edge because if anybody falls off that roof, you would be guilty. The Bible says that. So we can shore up things in our lives to keep the devil from getting in. Okay? Um, I'll just say this. Um, that uh, even in the, in the sexual relationship of the marriage... There is protection for each other through that union. There's protection. Because the Bible says, he who is full loathes even honey. Does that make sense to you now? Okay, do I need to spell that out? If you're full already, you don't need to be looking somewhere else. Make sense? Okay. You still need Jesus's help, right? You still got to keep your, you got to have discipline. Um, but there are ways to shore up your life to stop the enemy. But you have to realize that it is the enemy's agenda to kill, steal, destroy, to divide, to, to cause strife in your home because God said, it's not good for a man to be alone. So the devil says, well, I want him to be alone then. How am I going to get him to be alone? Well, I'm going to have to cause some fights. Let me cause some fights. Or let me, let me tempt with another. Let me try to bring in somebody else that will tempt this man away or this woman away from her husband. Right? Let me, let me try to, divorce, to bring this in. Well, if you're, if you're immune to thoughts of adultery, you don't even go there. If you're immune to that, then it's like the devil's gonna, the devil sees a brick wall. Remember, the scripture says that Satan, after he tempted Jesus all those times, it says, then Satan withdrew from him and waited for a more opportune time. Right? So, <clears throat> Satan's gonna keep testing you. Remember this. The, the symbol for the devil is the snake. Why? 
How does the snake, what does he do? You know, he's mostly blind, right? The snake is mostly blind. It feels with its tongue, and the devil does the same thing with you. Hath God said, you shall surely die? Have, did God really say? He's going to test you with words. That's why that, that symbol, the devil's going to come with that tongue and test you. He wants to find out where's the hole in your wall so I don't have to go through the brick wall. I can walk through the door. Where's the hole? I want to find it so I can get in and penetrate this family and cause division so that I can ultimately bring about what God said is not good, and that is for a man to be alone. Is this making sense? Okay. So we can shore up things in our lives so that the devil can't get in. Just as, easy, just as much as you can put up a mosquito net and not catch malaria. Or in your own home here in America, you can put up, you can, if you have a hole in your screen and the house is full of mosquitoes, fix the screen. Don't, don't be rebuking those mosquitoes. Fix the screen. I mean, you can rebuke those mosquitoes all day, but you need to fix the screen. You see what I'm saying? Close the gap. Close up the door. Whatever the open door is, close it. If, um, if you got a problem with um, ice cream cones, Close the gap, you know? <laughs> you know, if that's causing you a problem, you, you gotta, if you've got a problem somewhere, close the door, okay? Um, Father, I ask you to reveal right now. Jesus, I ask you to reveal. Holy Spirit, I ask you to reveal right now what the open door might be or the gateway that the devil's trying to use to bring about his agenda in our lives. Lord, we declare that we are free and we receive from heaven. And because we receive from heaven, we receive victory from heaven. In Jesus' name. You agree with me? Yes. Okay, good. Let me keep going here. So, um, so there is a demonic attack against your home. But listen, you got a good job and you've been working hard and so the devil's attack against your finances is a brick wall to him. You get that? So he's not, he just leaves. He's like, okay, forget it. I can't get through here. Okay, so if you're out of work and you need something, well, you know what you need to do is shore yourself up with the word of God. That's what I used to do. I used to take those Proverbs and take those scriptures. When I was newly married, I would always have a, a scripture, you know, scripture cards in my pocket that were full of Proverbs about working and about making money. Why? Because I was hungry and I was trying to feed the family and I was trying to change who I was so that I could get, I could um, earn the money that my family needed, that Nancy needed, that my family needed. And I knew that the word of God was the way to fill myself up on that and that God would provide. Well, here we are 36 years later and, you know, haven't missed a meal, right? God, God's, 
God's provided. He's taken care of us. Okay? Um, but I worked hard. When I was leading worship at our old church, you know, it was a part-time job, which included Monday through Friday, 6 a.m., leading worship at the, at the early morning prayer. And then Thursday night, uh, worship service. So I led worship for a half hour there. And then uh, two services Sunday morning, one service Sunday night, and then a rehearsal on Sunday afternoon. And that was a part-time job, you see? And then I went and worked a 40-hour job on top of that, okay? To, I mean, that's what I did for more than a decade, 13 years at least. And, um, but God provided, God helped me, God was there. But uh, working hard, I was working to shore up because it seemed to me that there was an open door to the devil. And I had to break that thing. I had to block that thing up. And it takes time to transform yourself. Uh, it takes time. It takes a lot of scripture, a lot of study. And take, just take time. If you've got an area in your life that you see that doesn't line up with the scriptures, man, make it a priority. Make it so that you are intent on closing that door. Is this helping? Okay. So, um, so we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. He's trying to divide us. Well, in light of all that, how is he going to divide us? Well, we have a problem. You know what it's called? Our flesh. You know, when we got born again, our old man died, but your old body didn't die. That doesn't happen. That's not on the calendar yet. That, you know, yes, you can receive healing to that old flesh, but uh, there's coming a day when you will receive a glorified body. And I'm good with that. I'm happy about that. Um, so we have flesh. Now, the scripture does say that we can train our flesh to resist sin. Thank God it says that. We can. But we have a responsibility to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you were led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery. Now, here's, here could be a list of open doors in your life. And as I read this list, you might say, well, that's not an open door in my life. Okay. Adultery. That is, it's like, how often am I tempted to do drugs? I'm not. How often am I tempted to commit adultery? I'm not. And I thank God for that. But there, you know, there are some people that actually are tempted to commit adultery. I mean, that in my mind, that baffles my mind. I, I just don't, I really personally, just because of who I am, I personally don't understand that at all. <laughs> I really have no comprehension. I mean, you see it in movies and I think, what an idiot. What are they doing this for? <laughs> you know, why are they thinking this? I, I, you, you see what I'm saying? 
that is so far removed from my thinking that I cannot comprehend it. But that's not the case in every situation. There's some places in your life that, well, yeah, there's, that's a solid brick wall for me, but oh, well, that, that word right there, that's a problem. You know, Nancy, <clears throat> when she first got saved, she would take this list in uh, Galatians 5.23, a few verses later, 5.24, um, or no, 22 and 23, there it is, uh, self-control. When she got to the part where it said self-control, she just literally, with her pencil, crossed it out in her Bible. <laughs> She's like, I, I don't have it. I don't know where I'm going to get it. <laughs> so she just crossed it out. Like, I literally, in her Bible, it was crossed out. <laughs> it's just like, okay, I'm admitting it. I don't have it. Okay. Okay, so in every one of these things that I read, any one of these could be a door. Uh, Galatians 5, 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry. You know, we think of idolatry and we think of like the Old Testament and idols, you know, putting up a statue or something like that. Idolatry is just all you have to do is go back to commandment number one. I'm the Lord your God and you shall have no other gods before me. Okay, well, I didn't find this out until many years later, but um, I found out that uh, the Visa card could be an idol. I thought, now, I had, um, I had done this album, and I, had, I was working on paying my brother, you know, John King, for the studio time, and um, boy, it was a struggle. Boy, I had to believe God every single step of the way. I mean, it just really, really trusting the Lord. And um, one night after I got done with, uh, oh, I gave John a payment. Okay, like $1,000, gave him a payment. And all I did was drop it off. Now, as soon as I gave him the payment, he just gives me a sermon. You know, John is, he'd give you a sermon no matter where you are. And he just starts preaching to me about how we need to listen to our wives. Well, I get back in the car and I start driving home. Not a single red light all the way home. I'm like, oh no, what's up? Something's up. Something is up. What's up, Lord? I walk in the door. Nancy doesn't say hi. She says, we need to cut up the visa card. Well, I had just given that $1,000 thinking if this other thing I'm believing for doesn't come through, at least I got my visa card. You see that? So I was clinging to this. I didn't know it was an idol. So then I, I just heard John King preach to me. We got to listen to our wives. Walk in the door. First thing Nancy says is, we need to cut up the visa card. I sit down on the couch, and now I didn't shout her down. I didn't retaliate or anything. I just sat down and listened, and I said, Lord, and he said, this is me, son. It's like, oh, boy. He said, this is me. I said, okay. So we walked out in the kitchen, and we did plastic surgery. 
We cut up the Visa card. I went to lay the kids down to bed that night. As I was laying them down, I opened to the book of Jonah. And I was reading the book of Jonah to the kids. And while Jonah was in the belly of the whale or the fish, whatever it was, he said, this was part of his prayer. He said, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. So that was God confirming that as I, oh, and then it says, after Jonah said that, then the fish vomited him up on the shore. Right as soon as he said that. Once he got a revelation to let go of the idols. Well, who's subject to idols? Well, everybody touch your arm right here. If you can feel your flesh right there, it means you have flesh, which means you are subject to idols. So if, if you could feel that, that's, that's you. I'm talking to you. Idols. You can make an idol out of a lot of things. Okay? I'll tell you this. People who are into pornography have made an idol. In their heart, they've made an idol out of certain things. Okay? Um, and then... So in that situation, I was cutting off. When I cut that credit card up, I was, I, I was no longer clinging to what I found out was a worthless idol because I didn't want to forfeit the grace that could be mine. In other words, here I was going and buying stuff with a Visa card when God had another plan and another way to pay for it. And I didn't know that. And so here I'm, I'm like, okay, well, I guess uh, God didn't show up now, so I'll use a Visa card. Oh, really? So you didn't have your faith turned on. Well, I told you recently that um, we just recently paid off our credit cards. Hallelujah. So we ended up with uh, that same plastic problem again. <laughs> Seems like if you let your faith drop, the need for plastic increases. Just that's what I've observed so far. So um, I cut the Visa cards up because I wanted the grace. So make a choice. Do you want the idol or do you want the grace? So if there's an idol in your life, what are you clinging on to that is actually keeping you from the grace that God has for you, okay? So idolatry, sorcery, you think, oh, I, I don't, I'm not into sorcery. Well, let me ask you, have you ever prayed a prayer that God would absolutely change somebody's mind completely, um, you know, towards something you wanted. You know what I'm talking about? Not necessarily, Lord, whatever your will be done, your will be done, but Lord, get them to change their mind according to what I want. I, I don't know, but maybe you've stepped over the line in sor as far as sorcery, okay? 
Um, hatred, oh, well, there you go. Contentions, jealousies, outbursts of rage or wrath. Oh, bummer. That's in the list. I thought I was doing pretty good there. Outbursts of anger. Oh, man. Selfish ambitions. Dissensions. Well, there's your family strife right there. Dissension. Heresies. Envy. Murders. Drunkenness. Revelries and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I have also told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, please remember, you got people who are saved doing this list. You got people who are saved who have outbursts of wrath. Does that mean that they will not go to heaven? No. It means they won't inherit the kingdom of God right now. This is my opinion on this. They won't inherit the kingdom of God right now. The righteousness, peace, and joy that they're supposed to be functioning in right now and all the provisions of the kingdom, if they're walking in this stuff, they're just saying, well, I'm not going to have that. I'll cling to this idol instead of that blessing of the righteousness, peace, and joy that I could be walking in. You see what I'm saying? So you're not going to inherit the things of the kingdom of God the way that you could if you were to just simply walk in the kingdom, in the kingdom way, which is the spirit. So, um, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, envy, murder, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay? Uh, against such things there is no law. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Okay. A friend of mine walked into my office one day, <clears throat> back when at an old job that I had. A friend of mine walked into my office. He goes, man, pray for me. He said, I'm just really having a problem with thoughts, you know, pornographic thoughts and all this. And I said, brother, that's your flesh. I said, if your flesh is doing that, just stop feeding it. He's like, what? I said, stop feeding your flesh. Stop, stop, stop feeding your body. He came back to me two weeks later. He said, man, that fasting thing, that really worked. He said, I started fasting. And he said, that stuff stopped. All those thoughts that I was having, they disappeared. Why? Because he, cruci he was crucifying his flesh with its passions and desires. Is that awesome? Do you know sometimes crucifying your flesh means get up early. Do you know some other times crucifying your flesh could mean you need to go take a nap because your flesh is not going to quit working so hard 
you can actually be working hard and it's actually your flesh, not the spirit. When the spirit of God's saying, go take a nap. I've been up times in the morning journaling, just praying and seeking the Lord and just writing in my journal. And then uh, he'll say something really awesome. And then he says, now rest, son. In other words, go back to bed, son. So I just close it and I lay down. Do you know that living by the Spirit, He already knows every single thing that your flesh needs. And if you're living by the Spirit, He'll make sure every single one of those things is taken care of. Man, I tell you this, when I've been up early seeking the Lord and praying and journaling and reading the Scriptures, studying the Word of God, and then He tells me to go back to bed, I honestly feel so loved. (laughs) I'm like, man, He really cares. He really cares for me. That delights me, okay? So so the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited provoking one another, envying one another, provoking one another. I've heard my girls, um, you know, one steals something out of the other one's closet. And then I hear this harsh language. I'm like, why would you talk to them so harshly? They stole my blah, 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 blah. I said, do you love each other? Do you love each other? A friend of ours used to, used to say, just tell them, uh, just wait a second, wait. You two, you're, you're best friends. All right, now go back. Go ahead, you can keep fighting. <clears throat> you two, you're best friends. Don't forget, you're best friends for life. Now go ahead and keep fighting. <laughs> well, some people need to be woke up. There is some wokeness that's right when we wake to righteousness. That's woke. That's the woke we need. Amen? We don't need to become woke to a demonic agenda and to be manipulated. I don't put up with that. Remember, again, that I said from the beginning tonight, God said it is not good for a man to be alone. Therefore, it is the devil's agenda to make sure you are alone. So the devil's going to use every single resource that he can and every single, not brick wall, but open door that he can get through to get to you, he's going to use it. So if in this list in Galatians chapter 5, where it talks about the, the fruit of the flesh, Every single one of those could be an open door, open window. But you can do things to fortify it both in the natural and in the spirit. Once again, Nancy and I were talking to this friend, uh, you know, how do we have couch how do we have couch time and let the kids it just seems like the devil stirs up so much anger and all this right while we're trying to have couch time and the kids get all antsy and blah 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 it just seems demonic. And this other friend of ours, she just said, we just give them a box of toys to play with. 
and the kids are totally satisfied. Now, it was just wisdom that was shutting up the devil. It was wisdom to get a box of toys there for the kids. And here Nancy and I were trying to bind the devil. It was just beautiful, but in all, in all areas of our life, the devil's trying to get through any place he can, but we can shore it up with wisdom. We can shore it up with moral fortitude and strength. Once again, how often am I tempted to do drugs? Never. Ah, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you have an idol in your heart or in your life, you can intentionally disconnect your heart from it. I shared this with the congregation a couple times over the last three months. And I do believe it's key. It's essential. And I will just tell you real quickly the steps you can take to disconnect your heart from an idol. Because one of the fruits of the flesh is idolatry. So that means that's an open door for the devil to get in and destroy. Um, So what I would do first to set my heart free from an idol, I would say, Lord, grant me repentance from this. Grant me repentance. So I'm asking God, because the Bible says that godly sorrow brings repentance, right? So Lord, grant me repentance of this. Then, um, well, I, I probably should tell you this story where God, how God taught me that. I was on a business trip and I was in my hotel room just flipping through the, t- the channels, you know, and then all of a sudden I saw something like, oh, I shouldn't watch that. But then I flipped back to see if I could accidentally accidentally see something again. And then I flipped back to see if I could accidentally see something again. And pretty soon by the time the movie was over, I'd pretty much watched the whole movie. And I was like, oh Lord, I repent. And he said, do you really? That's what he said, do you really? He said, wouldn't you do the same thing again if you had the opportunity? I said, well, yeah, I would. I said, Lord, then I guess I need you to grant me repentance. Would you grant me repentance of that? And do you know, over the next two days while I was on that business trip, I felt like God had placed a wet, hot blanket on my body, just heavy. And all I could think about was how sorry I was. And the scripture says that godly sorrow brings repentance. And so God was granting me repentance by granting me godly sorrow. You see what I'm saying? That was so awesome. I felt I did not feel condemned at all. And that's so awesome. So, so awesome that I didn't feel condemned by God at all. I felt absolutely loved, but I did feel deep and heavy godly sorrow. And it shifted me. 
you know, we talk about, and I write in that book, Changes for the Brave back there, that the shift in the subconscious mind, that's where repentance has to happen because it's not something up in your brain. Yes, it, yes in a sense, it's, you know, metanoia, which means changing your mind. But we're, we got to talk. It's not like, I don't believe two plus two is four anymore. <laughs> okay, well, Joe, that's stupid. Right. I'm talking about the deep things we believe. Those are resident in our subconscious mind, or you could say the word heart. So the reprogramming of our heart or of our subconscious mind, that is where repentance has to happen. Which is why godly sorrow is so effective in transforming us deeply, really deeply in our hearts to the point where we really deeply grieve over our sin. Then the shift happens and you're set free because repentance, true, true godly repentance has come. You, you understand this process here? So you, when you want to get set free from an idol, once God reveals, some people, I mean, a fast car is an idol. They just lust after it. They got to have it. I remember, I think I told you this, but me and Pastor Winston and a group of people were on our way to India and we stopped through the Dubai airport. So we're walking across the Dubai airport and it looks like a mall with these beautiful, fancy cars, you know, the kind that go 220 miles an hour, you know, super expensive cars. So we're walking through and, and I see Pastor, he just loves, I say, I say, you really like these, don't you? He goes, I love fine craftsmanship. I said, that's awesome. I said, man, these things don't do anything for me. There's no, no draw to this stuff at all. I mean, I don't, I don't even have a little desire for something like that. Give me my minivan. <laughs> I can carry my grandkids in a minivan. You cannot carry your grandkids in a Maserati. <laughs> you can't, no place to put a car seat. So by faith, as God grants you repentance from idolatry or an idol, so you ask him, Lord, grant me repentance from this idol. And then uh, another step you could take is, Lord, you know, f- Lord, I receive, I receive your forgiveness. I was going to say, Lord, forgive me, but he's already done that. So just take it by faith. Lord, I receive the forgiveness you've already purchased for me for that sin. So by faith, I thank you, Lord, for forgiveness for that sin. And now, Lord, right now, by faith, I disconnect my heart from that idol. I, by faith, I disconnect my heart from that. Hallelujah. I would say then, delight yourself in the Lord. As it says in, in uh, Psalms 37, verse 4. Delight yourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. Well, what's the problem with idolatry? Idolatry is, is delighting in the wrong thing. 
delighting in what doesn't belong to you, delighting in something that is causing you to envy or to lust or to fornicate. It's getting off in the wrong direction. Joe, I thought we were talking about strife in the home tonight. We are, believe me. You close the doors, you close the windows that the devil is using because how many fights are there in the home over money, over something that's an idol in someone's heart? Here they got an idol. Now listen, if you had an idol in your heart and your wife doesn't know you do, and every time she says something against your idol, you get mad. Who doggy? And she doesn't know where the trigger's coming from. She doesn't know why is it you get mad every time she talks about that. She didn't know you got an idol. And then all of a sudden she's like, huh, what's up? Why is it that every time I say something about, and then God starts giving her wisdom. Well, instead of her attacking your idol, you know what she should do? Lord, grant him repentance. Don't go talk to him about his idol. Listen, if you want to get a bone out of a dog's mouth, you don't go grab the bone. Am I right? Don't grab the bone. Just put a nice big juicy steak right there on the ground. The dog will drop the bone right away. Right? So don't try to grab the idol out of his mouth or out of her mouth, out of her heart. Pray that God would grant them repentance. If they learn to delight in the Lord, then they'll be satisfied. Because everything you need is in that list in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's in there. If you will delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. You know the very cool thing about that verse? If you delight in him, guess what the desire of your heart is? Him, right? A dissatisfied person will be quick to anger and quarrel. Now, anybody know what hangry is? Hungry and angry. Yep, yeah, hangry is hungry, angry. Now, I watched with the girls one time, Anne of Green Gables. And she was dilly-dallying in the woods, bringing this guy his lunch. And he got so angry with her that she took so long to get his lunch there, he had a heart attack and died. And I'll tell you this, they tried to make it so that, you know, you felt sorry for her. I didn't feel sorry for her. I felt sorry for the guy. <laughs> Nancy was picking me up a sandwich tonight before dinner or before this meeting. And, uh, and it's like, it's quarter to six. Then it's six o'clock. Then it's 6.15. Then it's 6.30. I'm like, Lord, where's Nancy? <laughs> Lord, I'm so hungry. <laughs> Now, if I'd have known that she wasn't going to be there a quarter till or whatever, I would have gone and get the sandwich myself. It's not a problem. But that change in your blood sugar level 
can make you angry. I got my sandwich and I'm feeling good. I'm a happy man. I, I, it arrived with plenty of time. Yeah, 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 no. <laughs> I forgive you, you mean. That's what I, I, I forgive you. <laughs> and I thank you. Thank you for the... Uh... <clears throat> but, uh... but we've seen it. I mean, we've seen changes in behavior when, I mean, when we would give the kids sugar or when either of us would have sugar and then like a few minutes later, all of a sudden, if you were to see the graph and our blood sugar went like that, all of a sudden we're like ready to kill. We're ready to fight. We see that we would see this after the kids would eat pasta. Okay. I'm not against pasta. Okay. Um, but we would see it happen. All of a sudden, within like 15 minutes or so, the kids are jumping all over the house, crazy, like what is going on? And well, you will find that uh, your diet can directly affect your ability to walk in the spirit. Because your flesh screams loud. This one friend of mine, actually a former employee, lived down the south somewhere, down in Florida maybe. And uh, she said, and she's a pastor, she was a pastor's wife. She said, I am firmly convinced that a good night's sleep is a prerequisite to leading the spirit-filled life. <laughs> and I, I, I thought, oh, poor lady. In my younger days, I thought, oh, poor lady. She just doesn't understand. Now that I'm older... I understand. <laughs> she was right. <laughs> because your flesh screams. And you've got to have the self-control to overcome it. To stop you from screaming. Right? Outbursts of anger is a fruit of the flesh. If you're screaming at somebody, it's not the Spirit of God flowing through you. It's your flesh. And they're getting the brunt of it. Thanks a lot, right? Well, I got a lot to I got, repent of, <laughs> you know? But what, and I'll tell you this story again, and I've shared this before, but one night I came home from work and uh, we were living in the apartment in Wheaton. And Nancy goes, you need to go talk uh, to your daughter. She named which one. She's having a meltdown. I'm like, okay, so I walk in. And right before I walk into the room, I'm like, Lord, I don't have anything here. You better give me something. So I walk in and sit down. I said, how you doing? Terrible, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, all right, I got a question for you. I said, on a scale from one to 10, how are you doing right now as far as love is concerned? She said, zero. <laughs> I said, okay. How about joy? Zero. Peace? Zero. Patience? Zero. Kindness? Zero. She, she, she graded herself zero on all the fruit of the Spirit. She's having a complete emotional breakdown, and she's answering my questions here. I said, do you realize that means you're operating in the flesh, not in the Spirit? She's like, oh, she instantly snapped out of it. She went from a complete emotional meltdown to 
normal instantly. And I had nothing before I walked in the door except the ability to ask and hear. <laughs> and thank God I had that. And God delivered. God is faithful. So when you are in the middle of strife, you are in the middle of a flesh fit. This, it says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, by pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Another translation says, strife cometh not but by pride. If there is a fight going on in your home, somebody's in pride. At least one of the people is in pride. Well, you could just say, well, whoever's the most mature, go kneel down next to the bed first and humble yourself. Whoever's the most mature. First one, first one to go kneel down by the bed, humble yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord. You know, pride is an enemy. Pride is an enemy, right? I, um, I was astonished. Uh, I think that's a fair word. Um, many of you know Joe across the hall here, Joe Sirfici. When he was our worship leader, um, he and I went to an, a, a worship night at some other somebody's house. And they had this young guy leading worship there who blew me away. I was like, this guy's amazing. I mean, because this guy, as soon as we got there, from like the first chord, bam, we were fully in the heavenlies. And he kept us there the whole time. I was like, that's so awesome. And I was just raving to Joe about how good this worship leader was. And Joe was our worship leader. That's not smart, just so you know. But I didn't know any better, okay? I was just being honest, because I, like I like to play poker with my hands open to everybody so everybody can see what my cards are, right? <laughs> I'm an open, that's just how I like to live, you know? So you can see what I'm, what I'm thinking. I, I, because I see that's, honestly, that's my modus operandi because I want to be able to teach people. And if I can't say, hey, come back here, look around, look at this from behind here so that I can teach you. That's my desire. That's why I say, well, this is what I was thinking, <laughs> you know? Well, I didn't know any better in that situation. Do you know Joe called that guy who was probably 10 years his junior and said, would you teach me guitar lessons? So instead of Joe rising up to be prideful and resistant, he ran to humility and hired the guy with his own money to teach him guitar lessons, which he wasn't really that interested in learning anyway. But he ran to submit himself to this guy. That's why God keeps promoting him is because he understands pride and humility and he runs to humility. And that blew me away. I thought, dear God, what a prize, what a blessing to, to, be, to learn from somebody like that, you know? That was beautiful. 
beautiful. Um, James chapter four, verse one says, where do strife or where does uh, wars and fights come from within you or come from among you? Or where does strife and envy come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war inside of you? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You know, if we delight ourselves in the Lord, then he gives us the desires of our heart, which is him. Um, so the core of what is causing strife in our homes is our desires that go unmet. So back when I was working locally here at a company running their telemarketing department, and some of you have heard the story, but I'm going to share it again because it's so pertinent to what I'm talking about. Um, but I, um, I was real anxious. I didn't know why I was anxious. I was at, the, at work and I was just anxious. So I walked back in my office and I sat down in my chair and it was as if Jesus walked in the room. I didn't see him with my eyes, but I really could sense his presence. And he goes, what do you want? And that's the kind of tone of voice he was talking to me in. What do you want? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. He said, do you want to raise? I was like, you know, I mean, sure, I'd love a raise, but that's, that's not going to fix this. He said, do you want a promotion? I said, Lord, that's not it. He said, do you want a new car? I said, no, that is not it. He said, do you want a new house? I said, Lord, that, no, that's not it. He said, well, what do you want? And it was as if he had his thumb pressed on my chest. What do you want? I mean, he was really talking to me very firm. And I said, I said, Lord, I, I said, I think all I really want is you. And do you know that as soon as I said that, this peace dropped over me completely. I sat back in my chair and I was absolutely satisfied. I was so satisfied. Because if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart, which is himself. But do you know the cool thing over the next year and a half that every single thing he asked me if I wanted, he gave it to me because I chose him. He gave me the raise, he gave me the promotion, gave me the new car and he gave me the house. Praise the Lord. So where do the wars and fights come from among you? You got desires on the inside of you that aren't being satisfied and you're angry about it. So you're fighting to get what you want. Yet what do you really want? Well, let's go back to it. If you're really gonna follow Jesus, you're gonna have to get to the point where you really just want him. And then as soon as it's just that, all the other things you wanted will come. He's so good, okay? Um, let me read a few more things here. 
Um, some people are just bitter. Why are they bitter? Well, it's because they let their heart get bitter. They let offense reside. They didn't get it cleaned out. You know, I had a cut one time I didn't do anything about and I just let it, I just didn't pay any attention. Well, the thing festered. The thing got worse and worse. Same thing happens. If you let an offense go unchecked, listen, clean it out, put a Band-Aid on that thing. Bring some comfort to it. Some people are just bitter because they've let um, hatred, they've let anger, they've let disappointment fester in their heart. Sometimes people are angry about something else and that's why you're ending up in a fight with them and you don't know what you're fighting. You know, the scripture says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, which means the argument you're having right now with somebody in your household, you're not really wrestling with them. You're not fighting with them. There's another enemy who is guilty. Your spouse is not the guilty one. The enemy, the devil is the guilty one because he's the one that's initiating the fight. Your wife or your husband is just being used as a pawn. The problem is all of us can prophesy for the devil. Just like we could prophesy for God, we could prophesy for the devil. He'll just, he'll put those words right in our heart and we'll speak them out. Just, man, just like that. Man, how did he train us like that? He's been at it for years, trying to train you to speak what he says. Um, now, some people are bitter, but actually some people have a habit of being bitter. You see the difference? You might be bitter about something and it's, being bitter might be new to you. But if, you're, if, you're, if bitterness is old school to you, you you've, been, you've been at this for a long time and you've got this down, you know exactly how to be bitter. That's when it has become a habit. And when habits are formed, they are programs in your subconscious mind. They are programs that are written in your heart. Well, we've got to get those deprogrammed. That's why I wrote that book back there, that um, changes for the brave. Um, <clears throat> some people are angry because they feel they feel disrespected. Uh, some people are angry because, or they fight because they owe me. <laughs> well, you really want to go there? If you really want to go by what you deserve, we all deserve to burn in hell for eternity. So I don't really think we want to go there, right? They owe me. Uh, or maybe you want to get revenge. Well, she did that. I'm going to do this. Oh, really? Let God expose the, the motives of your heart. Amen. Um, I will say this. Oh, some people say, well, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Believe me, you can't spare it. <laughs> Nobody, 
If you've got that in your vocabulary, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. You need to repent of that. That's garbage. That was programmed into you by the devil. Don't give anybody a piece of your mind. If you need to go talk gently, you go wash their feet first and then you talk to them. If somebody really needs something, go serve them first. Go serve, go love them and then talk to them. Um, and I would say this, this last thing is, um, well, no, it's not the last thing, but I would say this, that we all are always acting. We all are always acting, which means right now, my friends, you are acting. You're acting according to a script in your mind that tells you how you should act in a public meeting. And you're following those rules. You are acting right now the way you think that you should be acting. Has anybody ever heard like the holy laughter stuff from up at, uh, where was it? Up, uh, where? Yeah, Toronto, yeah. Came out of Toronto and then it started spreading around. People just were uncontrollably laughing in churches and, and it was very irritating to a lot of people. And, um, you know, it was. It was like, wait a second. The Bible says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, which means that if that's of the Holy Ghost, then you actually have control over it, which means that if you're doing it and you're not paying any attention to the word that's coming forth, then you're disrespecting the preacher. So that doesn't make any sense to me. Now, if this is genuinely a move of God, then that would be an utterance that's going to bring some wisdom or revelation to us. And if it's of God, the pastor should stop preaching so we could all join in the laughter. And if that's the case, then let's get it on. If it's actually holy laughter that, is, that God is touching, and let it come. Praise the Lord. I'm going to stop talking, and let's just have a good time laughing. Because if it's really God, it'll spread, and that's fine. But the pastor would, God's not going to fight the pastor. Jeez, I don't know if you know that, but God's not going to fight the pastor. He's not going to send somebody in the church, in the church, to correct the pastor. If you ever thought that you were sent into a church to correct the pastor, you better stop that mess. Because you are being used by the devil. Don't ever do that. Ever. Ever. It's never God. Never. For somebody to stand up in the middle of a congregation and rebuke the pastor, that is never God. Never, ever God. Okay? <clears throat> if, if God wants to get to that pastor, he, there are plenty of ways for him to do it. Okay? Um, I guess I should get off that soapbox. Uh, you know, when, when I was little, my, two of my siblings... Uh, they finally made a rule. You just, they just had to stay five feet apart from each other because every time they were near each other, they would beat on each other. They would just beat each other up. And it was uh, a male and female. <laughs> they, would just, they would go at it and beat each other up. Um, sometimes you just need to stop your mouth. <laughs> and 
if you don't say anything, nobody will know who it was. <laughs> so if you stop, remember this. There's a scripture that in Proverbs. It says, where words are many, sin is not absent. So if you're talking too much, just stop talking. One day Nancy came in uh, with the kids and she had put some duct tape over her mouth and they were upset. They were upset because they didn't want her to have that over her mouth. But she, they were upset because she was like, no, I'm going to get this under control. Um, <laughs> it was a peaceful morning. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. I'll tell you that the majority of the time, um, the problem is us. The majority of the time, the problem is sitting behind these eyeballs that you're looking out of, right? If there's strife in the home, stop it. Stopping it does not mean getting the last word in. Stop it means just stop. If you say we have to resolve it now, no, you don't. No, you don't. Silence is better. Now, here's something you could do. When you want to confront your partner or another person in the home about something, I guarantee you that when you go talk to them verbally, you are setting up an emotional stage where there will be fireworks or can be fireworks. Because when they hear it, then there's an emotional response. And so then your message is lost. And now we just got emotions fighting each other. So there are, have been times where instead of me going to talk to somebody in the family, I've written them in a text. I just say, what would I like to say? What do I believe the Holy Spirit's leading me to say? And I write that out. I take time and just wait. And I'll tell you, one of the best ways to learn how to hear the voice of God is before you hit send. Say, Lord, should I send this? Right before you send an email, right before you click go or hit enter, Lord, should I or shouldn't I? If he says wait, then you don't hit it. Don't send it. That's a great time to learn how to hear the voice of God. It's right then. But pray, Lord, is there something I missed? Should I say something differently? Should I add a compliment in here? Right? What should I do? How could I help them to hear this? Because, Lord, I believe that, that this is something you're giving me to give them. They can't see it. So I want to help them. I don't want to dominate them. I want to help them. I'm trying to serve. Well, if you want to give them a piece of your mind, you're going to have to get all your emotions involved to make sure you deliver it orally. But if it's really from God, you should be able to sit down, write that thing out, and just say, you know, in a sense, I humbly submit this to you. I believe this is from the Lord. Would you please consider these things? That way, 
there is no stage of fighting emotionally right there. It's like you send text from here to here, they're over here, they read it, they're all by themselves. They can process, huh. And they can't yell back at the phone. They can listen or they pay attention, they read it. Lord, is this you? Lord, is this you? And then just let the spirit of God work in the situation. Now, should we have to take it to that level? Yeah, probably. With your abilities, with your ability to keep calm in the middle of an emotional situation, yeah, you better text. <laughs> with your, the, how good you are, yeah, you better just text it, write, a, write an email instead, or write a note instead. Because if you cannot, if, if you guys are knocking heads, why punish each other? Back off, relax. Lord, what would you like to say here? Just write it out and just say, here's some of my thoughts. Um, if you are given to being an interrupter, if you interrupt the other person frequently, they're never gonna get a full thought out to you. Well, write a, write a little email, get your full thought down. Otherwise, you're really not communicating, even though you've tried. You've tried to communicate, yet they interrupt you, and then you get in a fight. Come on, can't we get over this? Well, we're not there yet, let's, but we still have a responsibility to communicate. So let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and write it down. That way you always say, oh yeah, I did say that, and I meant that, and I really do believe that. Okay, great. You know, actually, on this one line here, Nancy, I think I've changed my mind on that. I really don't believe that anymore. Okay, well, you have the written record. You can go back and look at it. But see, the devil loves <clears throat> the interplay of emotional zingers. Because then he can use your sugar level right in the middle of that to cause you to hear it in the wrong way and to cause you to blow up at a time when it's really not called for. But the way you interpret it, here comes the fireworks. Here comes the big explosion. Remember the point of what I'm saying tonight is that God said it is not good for a man to be alone. Therefore, it's a demonic agenda. It's the devil's agenda to make sure you end up alone. If you're lonely, you might want to check your conversation. Are you, are you having conversations that are pleasant? You know, the scripture says, let your conversation always be uh, full of grace, seasoned with salt. Well, what in the world does that mean? I don't know, go, go pray it out, man, you'll find out. Full of grace? Does the other person feel that they have received grace from God by what you said? Or did they receive condemnation? Did they receive accusation? Remember who the accuser of the brethren is. It's the devil. So if your conversation is full of accusation, guess who you're prophesying for? It's the enemy. Don't do that. If you've got issues you need to bring up, say, hey, but you've got to learn how to bring them up without your anger emotion, your extra oomph of 
Because they will respond to your emotions. And if the attack goes up, the, and the defenses go up. When the walls come up, ain't nobody getting through. It doesn't matter what you say, I'm not gonna listen. I have to protect myself, and if you're on the attack, I can't listen to you. So, why keep talking? Just shut it down, just wait, cool off, relax. Maybe if you got something that's really important you need to say, go ahead and write it down. Or maybe you just say, hey, could we go pray in the spirit together? Or could we go kneel down by the bed and just talk? (laughs) For husbands and wives, a friend of mine told us, my old boss told me before we got married, before Nancy and I got married, he goes, the only advice I could give you, if you're gonna fight, fight in the nude. We've never tried that, but. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Listen, God doesn't want you to be alone, but strife will make you lonely. God does not want you to be alone, but strife will make sure you are alone because nobody wants to hug a porcupine. If it hurts too much to be around you, then you'll be lonely. Don't do that. So it could be you. I know that it's hard to believe. It actually could be you that could be causing part of your loneliness. Because you could be surrounded with people, you are terribly lonely. Lord, show me how to communicate in a way that is full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that that people would be nurtured by what I say. Is this helping anybody? Father, I speak your blessing on every person listening to this word, even those listening through the podcast. Lord, I ask you to bless them. Minister to the hearers the words that are spoken tonight, that every, every person's heart would be softened, not feel like they're under attack from these words, but, but that their heart is tenderized and and that they feel like they can put their defenses down and realize that it's all been the enemy's agenda to separate us from each other and to not have the unity of the spirit that you desire, Lord. So Father, help us to be people of unity, people of love, people of grace. Lord, we love you with all our heart. We want your heart's desire fulfilled, Lord, and your heart's desire is that there be unity here. So we receive it now in Jesus' name. Amen. I also bless this offering, Lord, uh, as people give. Lord, I bless their giving. Those who are listening through the podcast, Lord, bless them as they give as well. Lord, I ask you to multiply it back to them. Multiply and cause breakthroughs in their finances. Every person here, breakthroughs in your finances. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We bless. Thank you for listening to the Joseph Barlow Ministries podcast. This podcast is made possible by our partners. To partner with us, head on over to josephbarlow.com. 
where you can donate and help us share God's heart for families with the world. And if you want to learn how to hear the voice of God personally, consider taking our Hearing the Voice of God in journaling class. You'll learn to develop an open connection with God and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you through every step of your life. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.